welcome back to the Heart Square podcast and our first episode of 2023. Uh, it's great to be back with more p- podcast episodes this year. So for our first episode of the year, myself and Rob were joined by another Rob actually, um, but Rob May, uh, who is the Managing Director of Ramsack. Um, and as you will hear in the episode today, Rob has a wealth of knowledge and experience on the topic of cybersecurity. So we asked him to join us for this episode so we could put all our cybersecurity related questions to him. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. Um, like you say, Rob's got loads of experience, goes back a long way, actually, um, which is interesting because obviously it's a really hot topic right now. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got deep experience in, in doing this uh, and understanding the, the landscape uh, for, for years now. So yeah, it'd be good to hear what he's got to say about where we are now, uh, the trends, the themes, um, and what we can do about it, actually, now we protect ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that's enough from us. So without further ado, we'll get straight into the episode. Hi, Rob. Thanks for joining us on the Heart Square podcast today. It's great to have you join myself and Rob and um, to talk about uh, all things cybersecurity. Um, but before we get in started and into this big topic, um, it'd be great if you could give us a bit of an introduction into yourself, your role and a bit about Ramsack as well, please. Thanks, Ellie. Uh, it's a pleasure to be to be with you today. So I'm Rob May, and I'm the uh, founder and managing director of Ramsack, and we're a cybersecurity and IT services business founded 32 years ago. So we've been we've been doing this a, a very long time, and um, and cyber is really one of my passions and I wear a number of different cyber hats actually I'm the UK ambassador for cybersecurity with the IOD and I sit on the advisory board of the Cyber Resilience Centre which is a a joint venture between um, the cyber industry academia and law enforcement and we bring those three different elements together and then I do an awful lot of speaking um, around the world on on this very subject on cybersecurity on cyber resilience to audiences of all sizes sometimes it's you know 10 or 12 people and my my largest audience was 20,000 people so i speak about this subject an, an awful lot and i'm i'm really passionate about it because it's such a big subject and it affects absolutely everybody but there's so much that we can do uh, to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Thanks, Rob. That's a really good intro, uh, and and interesting as well because one of the things that we were going to um, say about was you know cyber cyber security. You know, is a hot topic. It feels like it's a hot topic at the moment, but you know, even from your introduction, it's it's obvious that it's not it's not new as such in that sense. But there is obviously there is obviously uh, <clears throat> a lot of narrative, a lot of uh, conversations happening around it at the moment. So I'm almost kind of just test the question so i was going to say you know cyber attacks have become more common uh, more commonplace the non-profit sector in which we both work um you know it hasn't been immune to that by any stretch and um, you know i'm going to pose the question of actually start by what do we mean by cyber attacks but maybe i can double double that up with what do we mean by cyber attacks and do you think that they're more common now than they, than you were seeing last year the year before even um bearing in mind you know the yeah the length and depth of your experience Yes, no, absolutely. So a cyber attack is um, where a individual 
or an organisation maliciously try to exploit the vulnerabilities in someone's computer systems or their 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 computer networks or even the people within the organization in order to cause them harm or get unauthorized access to information that they shouldn't have access to that in essence is is what a cyber attack is and yes definitely we see what well, year on year we see far more of this you know and and the definition of what is a cyber attack changes from 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 year to year um you know it's not that long ago that if somebody wanted to get a lot of money they would you know put a stocking over their head and go into a bank <laughs> they don't do that anymore they do it they do it from behind their computer screen yeah and uh, yes the numbers every year the numbers increase it's Interesting. I mean, even even with that analogy, is it is it about um, is it easier to to you know to whether it's for financial gain or whatever the you know whatever the <coughs> actual intention is? Because again, like we could go off on motivation, couldn't we, around why people do this? Um, but do you, is it is it is it easier nowadays to attack somebody from a digital you know from in, with a cyber attack um, than it was in kind of a more physical <laughs> a more physical theft? Um, experience that like the ones you described um or is it just that there's the technology almost lends itself to to that kind of behavior i think the technology lends itself <clears throat> you know we live our lives online don't we um, yeah, yeah. whether that's you sat behind your computer doing your job or whether it's it's simply the fact that you know you're using a smartphone to send a message or or make a purchase i think the thing is this technology is in all of our hands all of the time. Mm. And the cyber criminals have become very skilled at working out what they need to do to manipulate you. Uh, you know, and that, yeah. that's of the problem. <clears throat> and is that ultimately what it's about? It is about finding a way to manipulate you uh, to then achieve whatever your you know, financial gain or whatever it is that you're setting out to do is that the is that the kind of ultimate motivation for cyber criminals in that sense and and sorry this kind of subsidiary then is in what respect are non-profits most vulnerable would you say i think i think <clears throat> one of the first if we talk about non-profits mm -hmm. i don't think that just because you're a non-profit makes you any more of a target or any less of a target and it certainly doesn't make you okay. it doesn't make you immune um you know we see we see two definite types of attack one is targeted and you know the cyber criminal for whatever reason has said i am going to target this organization and i want to get inside this organization or i want to disrupt this organization and that's a, sorry Rob, that's a very specific somebody hunting down a particular organization absolutely that okay. so that, that would be a targeted attack but equally there are a great deal of untargeted uh attacks what what we call spray and pray where the cyber criminal is literally just sending out hundreds of thousands of attempts um yeah. attacking a vulnerability now some vulnerabilities are known vulnerabilities 
So, for example, uh, there might be a a flaw in a piece of software, mm-hmm. and it's documented and it, it does the rounds in the cyber world. And basically, what they say, in essence, if you can find someone who's using this type of computer or this operating system or whatever it is, there's a door and we can get through okay. that door. Um, a number of years ago, I don't know whether you remember, a number of years ago, we we had what the British press called the NHS cyber attack. Mm-hmm. 75% yeah. of NHS trusts got shut down by, by a cyber attack and, and couldn't operate for a couple of days <laughs> in yeah. both senses of the word. It wasn't an NHS cyber attack. Um, it was actually a cyber attack that came out of North Korea called WannaCry. Now, WannaCry was attacking a known vulnerability in Microsoft Windows at the time. Okay. The issue is Microsoft knew about the vulnerability and they had fixed it and they'd issued okay. updates. Now, every single month on the second Tuesday of each month, we get we get Patch Tuesday. <laughs> yep. Um <laughs> Now, Microsoft had fixed this known vulnerability and every update that they'd sent out in Patch Tuesday for three years. Three years. Had fixed the problem. 75% of the NHS hadn't applied a single one of those free of charge Microsoft updates. And if they had, they wouldn't have been able to be attacked. So sometimes we're not-for-profits it's um they're not spending the money upgrading and maintaining their systems and that then makes them <clears throat> that would mean that they have a, a bigger vulnerability yes yeah yeah i get that but it's interesting because it is that combination then of technology you know the, the technology at its heart but it's then the policies the processes and the people around it that contribute to either or to being more or less secure is that reasonable oh absolutely and look people's a a massive a massive part of this yeah um and it's it's equally as much of the puzzle as as the technology and the policies and the the good hygiene is so when when we see things in you know in in the press or whatever it might be about you know kind of email-based scams for want of a better word where you know people are sending out i mean it be, I don't know. It, it seems strange to me to think that people do still, you know, in, in any context, but in a work context, they'll click on these kind of random, bizarre HTML attachments and 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 you know allow and open the door basically for for the cybersecurity uh, criminal. But is that actually what happens a significant yep. amount of the time? Is it really? absolutely a massive amount of time? Wow. And there's there's a couple of things. So email attack is is one of them there's a there's a talk that i do actually about the the five the five vectors of social engineering so the social engineering is is the manipulation of somebody the working of somebody to to get them to do something the the Mm -hmm. five the five vectors are phishing which is email based yeah vishing which is voice solicitation so this is where you get a phone call and they're pretending to be the bank or HMRC or whoever. Yeah. Uh, smishing, which is phishing via a text message or an SMS message. 
Okay. Yeah, I've seen now, more of those recently. Yeah. Well, uh, there, I read an article recently that, uh, in fact, it was from Witch, and they said that in the UK, the average adult gets nine smishing attacks a month. Really. And that will be, wow. you know, a missed Amazon delivery, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DVD or, there's one doing the rounds at the moment, which is the post office. And it says, we have a letter to deliver and there's 38 pence owing postage. Click here to pay the 38 pence. Yeah. That's a smishing attack and it's a scam. Yeah, yeah. Crishing. Um, so crishing <laughs> is phishing via QR codes. Seriously? Yeah. And this is interesting because crushing didn't really exist prior to COVID. Wow. And then with COVID, everybody got really used to using QR codes. You use them to scan in, it's to places, yeah. or read menus or whatever. So if you scan a QR code with your phone, it is exactly the same as clicking on a link in an email. So cyber criminals yeah, yeah. printing their own QR code stickers and <laughs> sticking them in places that you might expect a QR code to be. Yeah. And then the final yeah. element is um, impersonation, which is physical. So this is, so if a cyber criminal is wanting to attack your organization, mm -hmm. they can either try and break through whatever ID defenses you've got in place or they can try and trick someone in the organization to do their dirty work for them. Yeah. Or the third option is they try and get inside the, the building themselves. Is it inside? Yeah. And what they do is they look to see well, who, who visits that organization, how regularly, you know, how easy is it to get in? What, what's the process for checking in and, you know, do you need a security lanyard and all, all of that stuff. And one of, one of the scams um, and everyone I've questioned on this, you know, you see the penny drop, but one of the scams is they, they watch the building to find out what company do you use to service your sanitary waste bins. So think about it. So, they then dress in the same uniform as that company and they walk into reception with two sanitary bins under their arms. Yeah, yeah. You can say the question it. is, what response do they get? Firstly, by reception, and often they'll get waved through. But the other more telling thing, I think, is if you talk to staff within an organisation and you ask them, when did you last speak to the person that was servicing the sanitary waste bins? No one ever does. No does. They, they are hidden in plain visibility. Yeah. yeah and yeah. They're, they're, they've got access to a building and they're walking around and they're looking for uh, a unattended, uh, unlocked computer that they can then stick a, an infected USB key in, for example, uh, and they've got their cyber attack. And that and that's what the physical attack is, because it's the cyber element that the physical location enables them, like you say, to get some malware or whatever it might be, yeah, and, into and the, the network. Yeah, yeah. And the, the thing with all of these, and it goes back to your initial question a moment ago about do people really click on the links in the emails, the... The science of social engineering 
works on the basis that I don't know whether you've ever read the book Chimp Paradox. I haven't. Um, no. Chimp, Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters is a really interesting book, and it it uses a model to explain how our brains work. And in essence, what it says is we have um, we have three brains. We have a computer which stores data. Mm-hmm. We have a chimp brain, which is our animal brain that we're born with, and it's our animal instincts, and it's what keeps us alive. It's what controls our freeze, um, fight or flight responses. Okay. And then we have our human brain, and our human brain is our rational thinking human brain. And um, it develops... When you're born, you don't have that human brain. When you're born, you just have your chimp brain. And all that chimp's okay. brain is, is eating. Um, girls' chimp brains develop faster than boys' chimp brains, which is why girls tend to mature quicker when, you know, when, when they're young. Mm-hmm. But, but your chimp brain, using this model, and it is a model, but the, the principle works, uh, your chimp brain makes about 90% of your decisions every single day. Wow. And your chimp brain is five times faster than your human brain. And it's looking at every input and it's saying, does this look right? Am I safe? Am I in danger? Does it taste right? Does it smell right? Does it feel right? All of those things. Hmm. And if not, you know, do, do I fight it or do I do I leg it? Um, now, if if it does match those, if it does feel right and it looks right and it's what I'm expecting and so on, actually, more often than not, your animal instincts respond. Okay. And your chimp brain just does stuff on autopilot. This is why we drive to work and we never remember the drive to work. (laughs) How did we get here? Because you weren't using your human brain. You know, your your rational thinking brain wasn't engaged because you're on autopilot. It was when you were learning to drive. When you were learning to drive, you're thinking about everything. Yeah. But then you just go into autopilot. Now, social engineers, the cyber criminals, know that if they can plug enough pieces of the jigsaw, your chimp brain will look at it and think, I'm expecting that. It looks right. It feels safe. And you don't rationally think about it. And for everybody who has clicked on a link, especially anyone who's been trained, um, (laughs) Um, and we'll talk about cybersecurity training in a minute, but you mm. still get people who have been trained or should know better who click on links. And that's because that's because they're human. And actually, whilst they're human, they weren't using their human brain. They were just on autopilot. Yeah. 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 So everything was everything felt right. So they just did it without thinking. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I've heard of that uh, chimp brain paradox, you know, uh, model before, but it's really interesting to see how that applies. Again, in cybersecurity, you just, yeah, you go on autopilot, it looks right, so you just fall into that trap. And definitely there's a lot of um, pillars that you call them of different ways that uh, cyber, you know, criminals kind of attack organisations. And 
And I think you said earlier as well that the cyber attacks change year on year. You know, you said about the QR codes only really coming into effect after COVID. So how can organisations really kind of keep up and support sort of cyber security in their organisations? Um, because as you say, it changes so often. Yes, it does. And I think I think the thing is, we have to think about our we have to think about are we cyber resilient? You know, it's and this is an ongoing discussion. So any project that any organization does should be considering cybersecurity. You know, we, we talk about secure by design. Um yeah. it it needs yeah. to be it needs to be thought about. It's not a um it's not a I've done cybersecurity tick box because a it continues to change it, it's it's not a destination it, it, it <laughs> it's a journey um but also you know people do stuff you know they, they will say right we need to respond to this and, and we need to do something um but if you were to use an analogy of a house if what if what you've done is you've um you know, you've changed the locks, you've upgraded the locks on the doors, or you've put bars on the windows, or um, you've put an alarm system in, or CCTV. That's great, so long as people use it. Uh, and also, the other thing that happens is often you get organisations who do all of those things, and they they put lots of security things in place, but then they don't educate their staff. And metaphorically, what happens is somebody walks up to the door of this building that's got bars on the windows and, you know, the best locks in the world and all the rest of it. And they ring the doorbell and someone opens the door and says, come on in. <laughs> yeah, that, That's what the clicking yeah. on the email, you know, the link in the email is. So just because you're doing these things, you know, it, it's got to also be part of the culture of of the organization and it needs to be ingrained in our in our thinking i when i'm doing training um i always say that if i'm going to train staff rather than the board or the trustees i always start with this is how you are being attacked every day in your home lives in your social lives this okay. is what happens when you go to a coffee shop or to a, an airport or a bar or, or whatever. Because if you can make it part of their thinking in terms of this isn't just a work thing. This isn't us as a nonprofit having to do compliance. Yeah. This yep. is about how I'm being attacked and about how my partner is being attacked. My parents are being attacked. And... Um, and we have to get that into people's mindset, I think. Yeah, really interesting. So, and that is like, say, I know you were talking about kind of the tech, but that security by design, be secure by design, build it into the fabric of your behaviours, build it into the culture of your organisation. And is that something that um, you, you kind of mentioned there about training staff? Is it something where you educate boards and trustees at that kind of level as well to kind of it's, it's not purely top down. It's both ways around, isn't it? You know, it's on the ground, but equally that cultural piece comes from the top, I guess. 
Well, yes, absolutely. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, you're absolutely right. The culture does come from the top, and therefore there's got there's got to be the understanding. There's also a massive point that lots of people miss, and that's you know we we operate um, certainly in the UK. We operate under the UK GDPR. You know, mm -hmm. in Europe, which is what came out of Brexit. Prior to that, we were, you know, uh, operating under under GDPR. GDPR states all the regulations of what an organisation must do to look after the data for which it's responsible, yeah. and uh, it also states what happens if you don't do that. It, it's the law that organisations are, are prosecuted under. And one of the things that I think a lot of organizations get wrong is firstly, they think it's about marketing and it's, you know, it's that misnomer that it's not really about have I got the right to market to you? <laughs> it's, not, yep. it's not about cookies, um, not just about cookies. Yeah. And incidentally, cookies should be called trackers, not cookies. Um, yes. Yeah, better just again changes people's perspective. Do you want to accept these trackers? Is a different <laughs> question to do you want to accept cookies? Um, <laughs> yes. But, but the, the the point that I was going to make is that it's the board and the trustees that have a legal responsibility for cybersecurity. Mm. Now they might be very removed from the delivery of the security of any of the IT, but legally they have that responsibility and that responsibility can't be outsourced. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's really important that there is that understanding and, yeah. that, and that it's not just about staff training, um, which is why actually I specified that staff training, in my opinion, is different. It, it's nuanced differently in terms of um, understanding where people's, um, you know, liabilities lie. Yeah, and get them to understand the whole context. Like you said, it, it is actually about everyday life. It's not about like, okay, well, when I'm in work mode, I'm vulnerable, but the rest of the time I'm not. Yes. Um, but yeah, interesting. an interesting point about the GDPR data protection because absolutely the same, same thing in many ways. You said yourself, you know, it became or it got presented in many organisations as this is about whether or not we can send this email to these people. Yeah, where actually marketing was a very small part of it. And and even the data protection was a part of it, but the, the policies and processes and regulations and requirement to train your staff on data protection regulations were fundamental actually to it being successful and striving to do the same thing we're talking about, which is to embed that culture of, you know, curate your data, look after your data, protect it, you know, um, a lot better than we previously had. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that's worth mentioning is that that, that law continues to evolve so yeah and and you know they it continues to evolve again because the whole digital world continues to evolve it's like any of the standards around cyber um so cyber essentials for example which is mm -hmm. a, an easy to access um standards that the government brought in that that's applicable to any organization that keeps changing and it keeps changing because the our digital world keeps changing. It has to. <laughs> uh, COVID was a massive trigger. You know, most, most um, 
if not most, many uh, organisations just didn't support work from home prior yeah. to COVID. And then they did because it was forced <laughs> upon them and the genie's out of the bottle now. So, um, but Cyber Essentials changed because of that. Um, you're right, GDPR introduced mandatory cybersecurity training. In the last big update, which was end of December 21, that changed. And what they said at that point was that cybersecurity training must happen for all new members of staff within the first 30 days of starting employment. And okay. before they're given access to any client or customer data. Okay, interesting. Lots of people have missed that. No one even noticed, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting, actually. I haven't got evidence to this, but my theory on the 30-day thing is that we see so many cyber attacks on new members of staff. Really? There's a, that's so, a specific... Okay. Yeah. And cyber criminals... Cyber criminals will use LinkedIn as a tool to, um, you know, someone moves and takes on a new position and they put it on LinkedIn. Yeah. And the cyber criminal goes, ah, oh, okay, there's someone wow. new in the finance team. <laughs> wow. Um, and they target, and one of the common uh, attacks actually is they get a message supposedly from the, the chairperson or the CEO or whomever asking them to go to a supermarket at lunchtime and buy gift cards and to okay. email the claim codes from those gift cards. <laughs> I lost count how many organisations have told me they've fallen victim for that. Really? Totally. Now, wow. I always say when we're doing our staff inductions, I always say that no director at Ramsack's ever going to ask you <laughs> to buy cards. It's highly likely that you will get an email asking you to because you just put your new position on LinkedIn. Yeah. And it happens yeah, yeah. all the time. And it is, but yeah, really interesting. And it's yeah. about getting into that mindset, isn't it? Of being defensive, protective, upfront, you know. Um, yeah, I thought it was only recruiters who stalk people on LinkedIn like that. So, uh, yeah, that's news to me. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, definitely heard of that one more recently from someone I know who's uh, who moved in roles into a new role and they got that exact email. Um, luckily, they knew <laughs> that it was not to be clicked. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, quite sophisticated in um, lots of different ways, isn't it? Um, yeah, just sort of conscious of time and just you know we've, we've covered loads already and I know we could cover loads more but um as you say it's changing getting more sophisticated it's something that will continue to change but looking sort of focusing on this year in particular is there any sort of particular areas you think organizations really need to focus on this year um or is it just kind of really all of those tips and the insights you shared throughout that you really need to kind of embed it into your culture and really think about it yeah i i think um i think partly it's it's what we've already talked about you know employee training is vital software updates really important you know so again yeah. so easy to the, the nhs attack was a software update uh, thing. British Airways um, were attacked and, you know, they got they got fined 
by the ICO. So the, the Information Commissioner's Office is who fines under, under GDPR. <laughs> they got fined. And the reason they got fined was because there were 50-odd updates that hadn't been loaded to their software or their, their you know, firmware updates or hardware, software updates on their hardware. Um, okay. So these things are really important. And another thing that I say to people about this is, you know, the software world tries to keep us safe as well. So Microsoft, for example, switched from software updates being optional to pushing them out unless you yeah. physically turn that off. But the, by default, they will push them out. One of the problems is something else that we saw as a result of COVID is that the world moved to laptops. Yeah. You know, most yeah. people use laptops now rather than a desktop. And the problem with that is that lots of people don't turn their computers off. I'm guilty of this. You know, I finish. Don't, work sorry, the, don't turn it off. Yes. So I finish work at the end of the day. I shut the lid on my laptop, put it in my bag. And uh, yeah, leave. Yeah. Now, whilst I'm getting updates pushed automatically to my laptop, some of them are useless until my computer's been restarted. You restart, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, and we can't force the laptop to restart. Yeah. We use, there are tools available that you can remind people, but for a lot of people, you are getting updates, but they're no good unless you restart your machine. So I always encourage people, create a habit. You know, yeah. for me, it's Friday evening. It get it gets to wine o'clock, and uh, <laughs> that that's my prompt to turn the laptop off. Yeah. Um, now it might go back on again shortly afterwards, but we we've got to make sure that people are doing updates. Um, once a piece of software becomes unsupportable, i.e., it's outdated, that's then a big security risk. So, again, you need to identify, is there anything that we're using as an organization that is no longer supported? You know, if you take Microsoft, for example, Microsoft will do security updates for 10 years. And then at the end of 10 years, they say, right, that's the end of the road for that. You've now really got to move off of that dated version of Windows the same equivalent applies to other software and platforms that that you're using or indeed hardware you know you might be using a firewall or a router that can no longer get security updates mm-hmm. and you've got to identify identify those things make sure you're complying with gdpr we talked about talked about gdpr and yeah. then i guess the other one that i've talked about quite a lot as a focus for 2023, but we've not mentioned it yet uh, today, is um, being aware of your supply chain, being aware of who are you plugged into and who else is plugged into you. Uh, Because again, that's a path for cyber criminals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if I know that, you are a supplier to a much bigger organization 
And there's every chance that that much bigger organization has got a bigger budget and therefore are going to be more cyber resilient. I might have a better chance of getting in through you. So think about your supply chain. It's not just about every machine that you're using. Yeah, yeah. Which is the digital version of the guy who turns up in the uniform with the waist bin under his arm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting. Um, so I think I think those are the those are the main things. I mean, overall, people just need to stay vigilant and proactive in their their approach to to cybersecurity because the, the threat will continue um to grow and we, we have to continue to implement security measures to to protect ourselves not just in 2023 but beyond that as well great thanks Rob. i think uh, that's a really great finishing point and uh one to uh end on and round up our podcast episode today so i just want to yeah thank you again for taking the time to sit down and chat with us today as I personally learned quite a lot in that, um, a lot of surprising things as well. Um, yeah, and it just makes you really aware of it. So uh, I'm sure our listeners will also take away some really great um, insights and practical tips as well. So really appreciate that. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Really enjoyed that. Good chat. So we hope you enjoyed that episode with Rob. I personally really enjoyed hearing all of Rob's expertise and experience in this area. You can really tell he's got a huge depth of knowledge in cybersecurity. And I think something that stuck with me personally was where Rob spoke about that cybersecurity is not a destination. You don't really reach a point where you're cyber secure and you can pack up and leave it at that. Um, you, it really needs to be a part of your everyday and the culture of an organisation, which I thought was a really point actually um but what was was there anything in particular that stuck out for you rob uh no i think the point that you you know you picked up on there like you say it's about the culture it's about behaviors it's not about technology but you know it is there's an element of that but it's people and processes on top i think the thing that really came across strongly to me was just kind of just how much of an industry it is how much effort you know people put in and how smart hackers are mm -hmm. cyber criminals are you know it's very very considered it's not random um, and the challenge for us is to match that effort really and to invest appropriately as much as anything else in time and understanding kind of accept that this is the situation we're in it's just life we just have to deal with it um, and then match match their effort and match their their investment um, yeah because I, you know, it's not going away it's in every part of everything that we do in, in our work lives private lives etc um, so it's down to us to yeah to respond yeah definitely some really great uh, insights in there, some really practical takeaways too, which is great. Okay. So, um, if you did enjoy this episode as much as we did, uh, be sure to leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe so you get notified of the latest episodes. You, you can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching HeartSquare, where you'll find loads more content on themes around leadership, digital, culture, and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.